Welcome to the Ocean Cruises podcast hosted by Andy H. This week we are speaking to Alex and Mandy from the YouTube sailing channel See the Little Things. Mandy and Alex are from Holland and Germany and have decided to sell up their old lives in Berlin and leave the corporate life to become world travelers. They started their journey by purchasing a Clipper 361 in the Greek islands and have now cruised thousands of miles across the Mediterranean. Most recently, they have been refitting their boat to sail across the Atlantic in early 2022. They have completed their first offshore five-day passage to the Canaries and are now adding a new member to their crew with the addition of a new baby on the way. You can learn about Alex and Mandy from their YouTube sailing channel, See the Little Things. Follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and download the audio on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Thank you, guys. So what did we do before? Um, we actually had quite some mundane jobs, I'd say. You think so? I yeah. thought they were pretty interesting. Yeah, okay. They were maybe interesting, but not that special. Because we were both a project manager, mm. or you were in the end a product owner. Yeah, Mandy was a scrum master. We did all this oh, agile yeah. stuff. We did in, agile uh, stuff in an online agency. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you yeah. might have to explain this in probably less technical uh, detail because <laughs> I bet okay. a lot of people won't no, have a clue what these, these things are. All right. So, like, well, we, there's programming. Yeah, we, well, we, yeah. we were basically project managers for teams that made websites and apps. Yeah. Okay. So you were um, apps and I was websites. Right. And yeah. Yeah, we did that. Like I worked there for quite a while and Mandy joined in later. Yeah. Um, and our our employer was actually really good in terms of um, allocating free time, I guess. Yeah, you had a lot of free time and also like, what do you say, space to make the job your own. So mm. you could do your job whatever you way you thought was best. So you had a lot of freedom in a job and that was really good. I mean, on the one hand, they paid pretty bad <laughs> they it was pretty stressful because it's an online agency it was in berlin so you know everybody worked super long hours but in the beginning that was really fun i think but what i'm trying to say is yeah. um they had a sabbatical option so oh, yeah. you right you, you you said hey guys i want to travel a certain place at a certain time yeah. and then you you were able to go for three months six months 12 months and you had to, in advance, like work that time in advance, and then you get the same time off. Yeah. So you right. get also half of the half of your salary. And then when your time is off, when you have a, when you have a time off, then you get the second half of your salary and you stay employed. Hmm. And that's actually the option that we took. So we both uh, said, "Hey guys, we want to go sail for a year." Yeah. And uh, our bosses were like, "Oh yeah, I want to do that too." Yeah, it was, yeah. It was enjoy so, have fun it was like freakishly easy I, we just both said to our bosses yeah we want to take a year off and get half paid before and half paid while we're gone and they were like oh cool oh that's something we offer i didn't what? know that i'm gonna right. do the same yeah, yeah basically like that and we're like oh, okay yeah. well just you know clear it out with human resources and you'll be good and then yeah, all so right that was basically that like a berlin thing or is that typical in the industry that you're in i don't know any other industry that would be happy with that apart from uh, like remote learning jobs yeah it's it's well it's for sure nothing official no but it's something that employers grant employees especially in berlin and in the creative scene because they know in a way they have to do it because, otherwise yeah. their people probably you know quit also because the jobs are mostly super stressful 
and uh, I think they rather have the people going away for six months and then know that they come back, at yeah. least if they like the people, of course, um, instead of just having them quit on them. So And it's a win-win for both sides. I mean, if yeah. you look at it from, from an economics perspective, then your employer can postpone paying your salary for a year right? for a year so and you don't you, you're not showing up for your next uh, for your next race because you're on vacation basically yeah so yeah. that's two years without a race and uh, paying half yeah and the advantage for us was that one we got paid while being on sabbatical and two because you are insured through all kinds of insurances through your employer we didn't need to care about any of that so that yeah. made things yeah. for us really easy and we stayed in europe yeah, and we stayed in Europe, so that was fine. Yeah, technically. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. physically as well. Yeah, but technically yeah. we're still in yeah. What's that like from like a legislative perspective? Because you're you're working, but you're not. Do you know you know like for tax and insurances and stuff yeah. like that? Well, in, in the contract it just stated that you're working for zero hours. Yeah. And before right. that you were working forty hours. And they that. actually stated that we got very little money paid and then in those two years. Mm. so i think some companies might do it differently in the contract but with us it just said you get basically paid half now that yeah. was our new salary and then in year 2019 with us you don't need to work yeah but you get the same salary so yeah. it's just an ongoing contract with zero work hours yeah what happens we, if the company go bust that's a good question well, <laughs> did you did, maybe you didn't think about that <laughs> we weren't really sure we're like oh god if that happens we might be just going to risk half for an entire year <laughs> yeah yeah i think you just lose your money honestly if yeah, they go yeah well that's it then you're but, but you'd be so you'd be saving a chunk anyway because all right so if you were to take half your salary over a second year opposed to all of it in the first and then not earn anything in the second you yeah. would be i presume you'd be in like a lower tax bracket for Absolutely. the year you work on the next one so from a tax yeah. perspective you'd be better off as well yeah yeah sure. yeah it was super yeah. lucrative like it, yeah, it yeah. saved us thousands of euros in taxes and it's all legal right it's allowed yeah. so none of it paid yeah in, we so. just made little money yeah over two years mm -hmm. time but yeah. it was enough because like we we quit no we didn't quit our apartment but we had a subtenant mm -hmm. so we didn't have fixed costs basically we just like yeah. it was the most free year that you can imagine like we had <laughs> we had yeah, good employer income, income and yeah. no no costs yeah yeah and what we did, lived very small anyways so yeah so what did you do like for to save up for the boat that you got did you obviously when you do this like we work now for half and then we'll get the other half the next year you presumably yeah. didn't save that much during that year when you were working for half did you save up the majority of your cash before yeah no, not entirely. We're just very good at saving money. <laughs> well, yeah, there's a, like, you know, it's easier to save 100 than to make 100 yeah. if you're in our position. Mm -hmm. And we did that for, the, for all of our life, all of our working lives. We, we lived in a really small apartment. Before that, too. Um, Even if a student, I managed to save money. Yeah. So Shoot. saving money, is, I guess, is the, yeah. We're just very good at that. No, not <laughs> spending money is is probably the way to go. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, the you thing don't is, spend it. You just got to save it. Yeah. The thing is, we we lived in a small apartment that was really cheap. We didn't never owned a car. Yeah. I always drove my bicycle to work, so yeah. I didn't even have like a, a ticket for public transportation. And public transport uh, when you're a student or when you are in a trainee program is basically really free. cheap. Yeah. yeah so yeah there's lots of ways to save money when you're especially when you're in berlin mm. in yeah. 
in the early like now it's more expensive but it, well, 2013 to 2018 it was super cheap to live in berlin and yeah. we just lived small so because we knew we wanted to do something big in our 30s we just didn't know what yet yeah so, and we just don't like spending money on things that we don't really need so we knew we'd rather save it for something cool later yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, we're, we're in the process now of, like, refurbing our house, and I keep on saying to Hibbert, I'm like, oh, my God, don't buy anything. Like, let's just throw stuff out. Because, like, wherever, yeah. wherever I walk around, I'm like, oh, there's 100, there's 100, there's 300. We've never yeah. used this stuff. You know? <laughs> like, why is it here? Why do we get it? So, uh, yeah. Oh, that's also the way we make money. Like, I'm very... Like since I was six, I try and sell anything I find in the house. I used to sell everything my parents had in the house. So right, I go mom through the house. Jewelry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, ah, you don't need this anymore, right? And mom, yeah. this is this can go. And then I'd sell everything. And uh, we did the same in Berlin. When we mm. moved out, like a year before, we started just selling off everything we didn't really need. Yeah. And we lived on an airbed in the no. No. Yeah, we, yeah, we didn't. But we had an airbed in the living room because we didn't have a couch anymore. Yeah, for, for a while. Yeah. yeah. So and uh, besides from that, if we did need something, we always tried to get it secondhand. I love getting stuff secondhand for yeah, yeah. like no yeah. money. Dutch. Yeah. This it, is, no, yeah, it's, it's just it's, it's an amazing feeling. But when you yeah. can get something that's hardly been used and it's half price. Wow. It yeah. feels so much better when you use it. You know, yeah. <laughs> feels so much better. So right, yeah, okay, like this so, podcast, Mike. <laughs> so like going back i mean you just like you said you've been planning it for a number of years you were mm -hmm. like saving a lot you were living quite frugally what did you have in mind back then like were you thinking of traveling the world in hostels were you thinking of van life was a boat ever an option like what what in the back of your mind were you actually saving this money for all and, and living that lifestyle where you're putting cash aside rather than spending it well she doesn't believe it but i did want to travel Mm. Um, he didn't give me the idea I wanted to though no <laughs> I just wanted secret. to save more until we could do good travel you know yeah right and uh, we actually just started watching YouTube and okay. it was the early times of Le Vagabond um, that we found them mm. and it just sounded really amazing so like this was then it was kind of a coincidence I think because I always really wanted to go to Australia for a year and just backpack Right. And that kind of never right. happens. And um, then at some point where we were working, I said, I have to go to Australia now. And I actually quit my job because they wouldn't let me go on vacation. And then I said, well, if you can't let me go on vacation, I'm just going to quit right here. And yeah. then I yeah. came home and said to Alex, so actually today I quit my job because I can go to Australia. <laughs> Imagine that. So like, we could go on holiday, but I don't have a job. So, <laughs> yeah. so Alex was like, what? Uh, are you sure? I was like, yeah. So, and after that, we kind of got more into the idea of going somewhere else. And yeah. we did enjoy the backpacking, but we were like 26 then, I think. Mm. And um, most of the people in the hostels are like 19. Yeah, true. Which yeah, is not true. a massive difference, but they just came from high school. It's like the first time they ever were outside their parents' house. And we were kind of like, yeah, it's fun, but I don't really want to do that per se for a year. Mm. So we were kind of yeah. looking for alternatives to do one year of travel before we really start grown-up life yeah and somehow coincidentally i think we ended up with sailing it was yeah. not really planned yeah it was just like youtube like the, yeah <laughs> probably the people who watch us now maybe we'll do the same thing in two or three or four years yeah maybe like we did yeah it was just such an inspiration yeah it yeah. felt so good so, yeah. yeah so that was coincidence yeah. 
So, like, wait, what, I mean, when you were tra- because I know you did a little bit of traveling, like you visited a few different countries, and you know, I suppose mm. you got the idea that that's what you wanted to do. When did the idea of buying a sailboat and traveling around on a sailboat just come from watching YouTube, or was there any experience before? The, the, was just a- yeah. Well, not entirely. When we were in Australia, we actually did a three-day uh, trip on a sailboat around the Whitsunday Islands. Okay. So funny. I don't connect yeah. our experience now with this. Yeah, it's yeah. But so far away. I, I remember that could be mine. This is where the stuff comes from. Maybe, yeah. yeah. But I remember that specifically because we did that. And in this vacation, we enjoyed that a lot. And that's when we decided also we really wanted to take sailing lessons. Yeah. So, and that's kind of how that from, you know, one led to the next another. And yeah. that's how we ended up. And that's when you got into. YouTube sailing yeah. because of that. Yeah, he just that's, forgot. <laughs> yeah. And also, like something, something that that's always in the on the YouTube, like every YouTube sailing channel has no experience in sales the world, right? It it kind of is because it is the first big boat we own. Mm. Um, but like sailing experience is is quite different than it's difficult to explain. Like, of course, we have our, we, we, we prepared, you know, it's not like we went on the boat and had no sailing experience. I mean, we watched YouTube for three years straight and we took a couple of courses and we went on bigger boats with other people. So it was not like we just got a boat like in the spur of the moment. And then, yeah. So yeah. like you, you do understand how sailing works because you do have your exam on little 420 dinghies mm. um, on a lake. So you know how sailing works, but you don't know how a boat handles, you know, in, yeah. in, in yeah. Mediterranean, it's different. Um, this size, right? Because sailing in itself is quite simple. You just hoist the main and you point it like not into the wind, but a bit of course, <laughs> like, and then you go, you know, it's yeah, not yeah. that yeah. difficult, but like all this handling and, and how marinas work and how, how you get into part. the harbor. That's the difficult part. And that's probably what most people mean when they say no sailing experience, I guess. Yeah. And figuring out when to go. So reading weather. Yeah. Like if yeah, you do that well idea. and don't go out when it's shitty out there, then you should be fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's yeah. what you learn. So, I mean, were you, were you ever daunted by this? Because, I mean, you, you can pass your test or your exam or you can do like an OIA and that's great. You can get out there and you understand how it works. But like maneuvering like a 40 foot boat in a close mm. marina by doing these and then reversing in when yeah. you're like prop walk and all that that's but, it takes a yeah. lot of getting used to and it's scary at first as well because everything's it expensive is. around you yeah oh yeah <laughs> well we we uh when we got the boat it was still on land right so mm. that that's easy can't move nothing can go wrong <laughs> <laughs> and uh through our surveyor we found a guy that actually did some maintenance on our engine okay while we were gone and he helped us out when we were there and then we just said to him so do you mind getting into the water with us and helping us the first time driving into the slip because we're pretty freaked out about that yeah so <laughs> he helped us and that was very helpful so we yeah, we, we did ask some people because we were kind of scared to do that all on our yeah. own because yeah. we had never actually steered this boat at all, <laughs> like, yeah. at all. but i also don't think he realized that we had no clue yeah we just came along and said yeah sure it's gonna be fun you know it's not that just driving to a slip i don't have a boat it's just gonna be fun yeah and it also was like 15 minutes or something 
yeah and, and our, just getting in and we had neighbors who were there you know that they was, were really helpful and nice and they stood there like with big fenders and yeah. they're like don't worry we yeah. have defenders whatever you do we, we'll make sure you <laughs> yeah. don't hit us <laughs> yeah and we did quite well i think we did better than some of the charter well people. you did i was just kind of useless <laughs> yeah. but honestly getting the boat and doing this like half of it 51 percent of what i enjoy most that's such a weird thing to say how do i say this best I I love the physics of like tying up, getting into a slip, using the engine to move sideways. Like it's not supposed to move sideways, but if you manage to do this, it's just so much fun and get the right line, get a spring line and just move the boat while it's on attached on one piece. Mm. And that's just like, I immediately love that. So like we, I got in the slip and that's when I thought, all right, yeah, physics, man that's amazing <laughs> this is why i like it could you remember yeah. what it was like the first time like you reversed stern two into a marina slip yeah that was the first time it was the first time oh yeah was did it work yeah oh you know and, and we we did that in Lefkas, and we had uh, the slip from the previous owner yeah and that was on the charter pier and the charter pier was the most narrow channel on with that the marina biggest boats with the it. biggest bali catamarans stopping you from maneuvering and so the so the mooring lines just went straight in the middle of the channel it was horrible and you just get caught with your keel and if you have a tippy keel in the back you know like the little hook the bulb yeah you just yeah. get caught in that and like yeah we, that's horrible. i think we just got lucky the guy was with us he kind of maneuver helped maneuvering us and told us what to do and uh, right then already we learned go in reverse where you have space and then just reverse into the marina completely. The whole, yeah, the whole marina yeah, yeah, is much easier. Yeah. yeah. So we did that somehow the first time. I think he advised us to do that. Mm. And we thought that was normal. So we've been doing that ever since until we learned that most people don't do that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's good fun to look at. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. a bit of confidence of maneuvering the boat. I mean, it's okay just just find a really big open space and reverse all the way down that's easy and as long as you know what type of angle and you understand your prop wall that's that's okay but um mm. yeah i mean to like to it, it, if you haven't got a bow thruster turning your boat around in a small space it requires you to really throw a lot of revs into the engine very very quickly mm. and it can seem unnatural like i remember the first time i did it in in my boat like you put so many revs on to stop it from spinning the boat starts shaking and you're like oh, yeah did i break something you're like no <laughs> just what you do if it's doing that it's got and it you know yeah. stops and goes back yeah. the other way yeah yeah it was uh it was a bit free i was happy alex was steering let's be yeah. honest yeah i would well, not have done it so well what did you do the first time you took the boat out for like a proper sail like did you wait for absolutely perfect conditions yes Oh, did you do no like some motor yeah i was going to say did you probably do a bit yeah. of motoring first just to get a handle yeah. on how the boat moves so like this maybe this maybe goes into the topic we want to talk about later like how how to get your partner into sailing or how to have a great start mm. and i think location matters the most and we were oh, lucky yeah. enough to find the boat in greece in the ionian yeah which is a so really fantastic spot it's to start. such a good place to start because yeah. everything's protected there's anchorage everywhere every two hours you can just throw your anchor and you're fine. Uh, we didn't know that this was not normal. We thought, yeah, that's what it is like. Yeah. But that's what we did. So we started in this beautiful place. We waited for a, for a day with no wind. And we postponed this, mind you, for like three weeks. Every day we're like, okay, today we're going to Too much go. wind. No, too much wind. We're not doing yeah. this. We have to get back <laughs> yeah. in. Right. Okay, okay. Too much wind. No, we're not doing it. Yeah. So <laughs> we, 
we postponed until we felt comfortable. Exactly. And then there yeah. was no wind and we just motored out. We hoisted mm. the sails and then we wanted to reach a location that was usually probably a two hour sail. It took us it, nine hours. It was eight miles <laughs> and it took us nine hours because oh we wanted God. to sail yeah. and we went like one knot. <laughs> yeah. But it's and nice at first, like if, if you go out when there's very little wind, just put the sails up, wait for the wind to catch the boat. And then you can yeah. feel, you can feel the transition between the motor and then slowly, you know, you're yeah. Yeah. over and the boat's moving. It's, it's better for building confidence. Yeah. And then we went to Meganisi. Um, maybe some of you know that it's from Lefkas to Meganisi. You're basically enclosed by land, Everything even though it's islands. the Mediterranean yeah. Sea, but it's yeah. island, 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 island everywhere so there's no swell nothing just wind and the wind in the ionian comes like clockwork so mm. usually so yeah. in the afternoon it just hits and then in the evening it dies down so but that didn't happen that day so that day, we, we waited so long <laughs> so that even that did not happen no so we had absolute flat seas yeah, yeah. but you know like start with what you're comfortable with and yeah. slowly build your way up work your way up to yeah we started with very little nothing every time we went, we waited until it was basically no wind, nothing crazy going on. Yeah. And we had a slip, I think, one or two months. Two months. From when we went on the boat. Yeah. So like we did not, we did not have no pressure. slip. No slip. <laughs> we yeah. didn't. Well, we, we didn't have the pressure to leave the marina exactly. right away because yeah. we took right. the time. We said, first, we want to get used to the boat, go out a couple times. So we know because we had never anchored, we'd never hoisted the sails or stuff yeah. like that. So we wanted to practice that. And yeah. So we had, we had a lifeline of two months until we had to feel comfortable just leaving. Yeah. yeah. And we also didn't want to extend because like we didn't want to become the people who live in the marina. Yeah. yeah. Especially yeah. since we were on unlimited time. You know, we had this one year. Yeah. So two year, two months in the marina and then out, you know, not mm. extending. But these two months were great enough to get comfortable so you got the boat and you hadn't actually sailed it prior to buying it yeah we did we had a we, we did a survey of course because oh, everybody so says okay survey. so we yeah. were we figured we'd spend a thousand euros to do the survey because if something comes out and it's bad you want to know right and then in the mm. end with all the money you spent a thousand euros is not much anymore yeah um and uh, so we did actually do a sea trial we flew to greece to do that and um, but I think I touched the wheel for like five minutes because it was the surveyor and the broker and the owner didn't even come. He kind of canceled last minutes. <laughs> so it was just us. And uh, so they did basically everything because, well, we didn't really know that much. And then once everything was hoisted and we were kind of going in a straight line sailing, I took the wheel for five minutes. Okay. And I think after that, Alex <laughs> motored into the channel for five minutes or something. So mm. we we both touched the wheel. Yeah. But that was about it. Yeah. So you knew yeah, it moved but... at least. Yeah. 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 <laughs> right. What came back out of the survey? Was there anything? Did anything pop up and and it you know made it worth it's trying? Minor, I suppose. Things. Yeah, just a little bit. Honestly, just minor things. The the boat well, was in really good condition. And nothing unexpected. Like there were a few things we needed to do, but they had set that. So the fridge was broken. We knew we had to replace that. We knew the rigging was original, so that needed to be replaced. Yeah. Okay. And there was the major things to have. And of course, the rest is all what you want to make yeah. it your own. But nothing further, really. And also, a surveyor said it's a great boat. It's in good shape, and it's a great price. So. Oh yeah. 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 
Lucky. What, what, so what was the process that you went through to like choose this boat? Did, did, were you looking for a few different brands or how, how did you narrow it down to the one you've got now? It's what is it's, it's a three six three clipper or thirty six clipper. Three six one clipper. Right. Okay. Well, um, we 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 visited. No, no, wait. Valencia. Actually, honestly, we knew nothing about boat brands except for Beneteau because of Vagabond. So that's honestly what we kind of went for. Well, Beneteau <laughs> seems okay. Yeah, so that seems good. Go for it. And I think um, they actually said they wanted to go for the Beneteau because it's this production boat. So if anything breaks, it's relatively easy to replace things. Yeah, good point. Yeah. And we thought, well, that sounds pretty logical and sensible. Reasonable. So let's do the same. Yeah. Um, we just looked for something. So we looked for smaller. production boats. Yeah, production yeah, boats. Yeah, so like three, yeah. uh, three, three, one in Valencia. We, we looked a bit bigger at first though. Yeah, we looked at bigger ones and then we looked at a, a 311 and we really liked it, but it was three, just three, too small. One. 33 foot but yeah we went to valencia um because we just saw oh there's a big harbor there had to be some brokers right so yeah and we saw actually there was really stupid we, we just, of course looked online a lot there's loads of these yacht broker or whatever all the websites are called i forgot most of them already yeah yacht market and, stuff like this yeah and we found a 40 cc beneteau 40 cc in valencia but the broker didn't write us back. And we thought, fuck it, we're just going to book a ticket. It's really cheap and go there. Yeah. And then uh, a day before we left, uh, the broker wrote back and said, oh, no, sorry, that's sold. And we're like, oh, shit. <laughs> well, let's go anyway. <laughs> and uh, there we approached a couple of brokers in the marina and they showed us a couple boats and um, we saw the 331 there. Yeah. We really liked it, but it was just a tap too small. Because the forward cabin, you have to put in an extra piece to make the bed complete. So oh, right. was just a, we didn't want to have that. Um, and then we kind of stuck with the, the Clipper series, I think, after that, because we really liked it. And then we just looked online and found Prevesa, which has like 4,000 boats on the yard. Mm, yeah. We could see it from Google Maps and it was just boats. And we're like, all right, let's just fly there for two weeks. We yeah. have to find a boat there. That's basically so what they, it's just yeah. like the cheapest place in the area to put a boat on the hard and leave it there. Yeah, yeah. there's yeah. like three yeah. um, companies yards. yards there in Prevesa, and uh, they're all completely filled always. So and they sell so many boats. And then Lefkos yeah. is around the corner, and they also have several brokers. So mm. we thought our chances would be pretty good if we went there. And uh, yeah, yeah. But we did look at the three six one at some point. I don't know how we ended up there. We found a couple. And we actually wanted a two cabin version, but we only found very few of those in Europe. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, only one in Corsica, which was super expensive to fly. And then we found this one pretty much on the last day of our two week vacation. Yeah. And uh, yeah, after seeing 20 boats, we walked inside and it was like filled with stuff because they were still using it. And there were three guys in there and like skateboards everywhere. <laughs> right. And uh, we walked inside and I was not even downstairs yet. And Alex was still outside. And I said, oh yeah, we're good. This is it. So yeah. there was just this feeling after 20 boats that yeah. this was perfect. Broker and the owner didn't expect that. Oh. Like, oh, we didn't prepare the boat. Yeah, there was water in the shower, you know. <laughs> it's like, I don't care. You know, I've seen, an, I've seen enough boats now. Just show me the boat. I'm going to buy it. It's like, okay, fine. And then we bought it. Yeah. Did you see a few of the three six ones, or was that was that the first one you saw and you just walked in? You were like, layout's fine. Let's actually, go for it. It was actually the first three six one. Yeah, it was the first oh, three nice. six one. Yeah. And yeah, they were not so easy to find. Like they were very spread out. 
we saw a lot of other boats they were all really crappy like mm. really crappy and then cost the same as this and we're like okay yeah. well from <laughs> like a layout same. perspective or no, no just badly maintained yeah, yeah. really yeah. badly maintained mostly chartered or something yeah and, yeah and the broker kept telling us that it was a lot of boat for the money and we were like, yeah, but it looks really crappy. <laughs> Can we get a lot of good boat, please? Not just a lot of boat, yeah. So, yeah, so the thing is, to come back to this one-year thing, we wanted to have a boat that was ready to sail, you know? Yeah. Because we, would, we don't want to spend time in the yard doing a refit or even minor things because we do have 12 months and then we go back to our jobs. So it had to be ready to sail in the ocean that we were sailing it in. So mm. it had time solar, it had that? a bit of wind. Sorry? What time of year was that? So when you, when you actually got the boat and you first went in the water, when was it? Uh, March. 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 Yeah. Oh, it's like the start of a kind of season, a bit oh, early. But it, was, it was cold in Greece, but it was the yeah. start of the season. So we knew we had to get ready. We had to be comfortable. And then we'd have one season in Greece or in the mid and then see what happens, you know, have a winter in most, the most southern point of the mid and see if that feels nice. Yeah. So yeah, get ready and get going. That was the plan. Yeah. So what did Production you do in that was... first year? Because so you got the boat, you sailed around Greece a lot. Did you actually go further south to any different countries, or did you just stay in Greece for that first year? Well, our plan was initially, believe it or not, to actually cross the Atlantic right away. Basically, after trying out the boat for a bit. Very ambitious. <laughs> yeah, it was very ambitious. Well, the whole idea started because Alex. <laughs> you know what instead of backpacking let's cross the atlantic in a sailboat that was how it started so that was kind a, of in my head that's fine yeah <laughs> <laughs> so i thought we were going to do that and uh we just ended up staying in greece so much longer than we planned because it was mm. so amazing and we stayed there for in total six months we saw a lot of greece though yeah like the ionian we went through the current canal we saw some of the cyclades and we went around the Peloponnese back and did the Ionian again. And um, yeah. then we were like, okay, we might still want to cross the Atlantic, but we are still in Greece and it's end of August. <laughs> we should <Yeah>. go. <laughs> so, I think now you know uh, it requires a bit more planning to do something like that. Yeah. It does. Yes. Yeah. I will. Alex said we might not make it. I was like very persistent. I was persistent. I really wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, it's very hard to leave a place where most cruisers end up staying. Staying. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. It's the nicest place in the. I think it's the nicest place in the world. I've, yeah. I've been all over the Caribbean. I've been all over Asia for for like beauty, uh, the people, the food. He's of access to facilities. I don't think you can get better than the Greek islands. Prices um, also. Yeah. Yeah, that in Turkey. You know all the yeah, yeah. islands between yeah. Turkey and Greece. You know that part's just really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, but then we left, and we made our way across the Med. Uh, that through, was the first year. So through yeah. the Messina Strait, yeah. northern end of Sicily, southern end of Sardinia. Exactly. And then we did the Balearics, all except for Ibiza and Formentera. So Menorca, Mallorca, we did only actually. Yeah, and then it was November, and we wanted to be out because then Mistral was, sometimes it, gets really tough. Yeah. Yeah, and there was also not. It was not completely planned because friends had just flown in, and then we said sorry we have to go tomorrow because the winds are coming that we need to get to the marina so we kind of really raced through yeah, the last really had part to, yeah, yeah. Had to rush through and then yeah. we approached valencia as our 
winter harbor because then we re we realized like if you want to go further we need to upgrade the boat yeah yeah because it was it was great for the med um but like if you want to go further west and then out into the atlantic then it needs a bit more yeah, yeah. we definitely yeah. need it so i mean to operates. be honest in greece you could just take it like a, a bare boat with basically nothing on it because it's just a two-hour sail here yeah. three hour there you, you yeah, marinas everywhere water you don't need much did you never consider yeah. like doing croatia turkey um like the south of france anything like that or we were, were you like really determined from after doing greece okay we do want to get over to the caribbean the latter yeah and we yeah. also already had experience in uh, croatia um because like there's this website it's like crew finder but it's german mm -hmm. and uh, we found a guy who had a catamaran in croatia before we started this journey so like do we like um do we like sailing so we did our sailing courses and we we um, went on the catamaran in croatia mm -hmm. and we did a small uh, around a german island charter with the skipper oh, nice. So we did Croatia um, before for, we started the... For a week, though. I, I kind of wanted to go there, but it was just unrealistic to also do that and end up in Valencia or even further. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because until we basically reached Sardinia, I was still under the impression we would make it across the Atlantic, which was somewhere... <laughs> By the end of the year. <laughs> yeah. I was just not letting go of this idea. So no. that's why we skipped Croatia. Yeah. Um, and in the end, it was okay. I mean, yeah. it turned out to be a good decision, but yeah, we kind of just wanted to cross. Yeah. Because the question is, what do you do when you have a boat? Do you want to go to places that you can reach with EasyJet? Or For do us, you want to have an experience that you can only have when you buy a boat? Because yeah. I can charter yeah. a boat, I can go on Crew Finder and I can crew on a boat. But if I have a boat, do I want to do the same thing that I could do without the boat, without yeah. you know yeah. investing that? So we thought, all right, we go. Yeah. We have to do this. It depends on the location. Like, go Greece on a sailboat is you 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 couldn't visit every island on Greece. There's, there's islands that you can't even get to unless you have a boat. Um, yeah, you can't fly there. It's impossible. Uh, Croatia probably is quite similar because there's a lot of nice places in Croatia that you could only visit on a sailboat. Yeah. But the south of France, you could just drive the thing. Uh, same with the south of Spain. There's nothing offshore. It's just you know big coastal towns and that's, yeah. that's pretty much yeah. it so yeah what about yeah, the italian islands did you never consider like really exploring the italian islands well yeah we actually went to one of the what they called the aeolian islands or the a i always forget the like lipari vulcano all of those yeah um we did go to vulcano and we would have liked to see the rest but because Time. we left so late and we were persistent yeah. to go we kind of skipped it right so, and we didn't want to do the Capri experience because that's just not. Yeah, we didn't want to do any of the coasts of France or Italy or nothing because yeah. we said, okay, yeah. if we do it, we just do islands. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Although there's really nice places there, but we just did that. And again, I just really wanted to have the experience of an ocean crossing to experience what that's like. And that's kind of why I was so persistent on doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Just wanted to know what it's like to be on the ocean for like 25 days and not see anyone. <laughs> it's weird, you know, most people when they get a sailboat, it's the complete opposite. They're like, no, let's get to Greece. Let's let's do all the islands. There's people on yeah. the other side, you know, <laughs> spend 20 days yeah. getting over here so they can do that. So, uh, yeah. yes, a, a bit 
different, I suppose, in a way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That just seems like a nice challenge to do. Yeah. And something cool you can say, like, not, okay, there are, is in the end, there are a lot of people who do it. But if you look at like a global scale of what people do, it's not that many people. And I thought it would just be cool to do something different. So. Yeah. I think it's like a character building exercise as well. You know, like not just yeah. the part of you being on your own for like 20 days or two weeks or where, you know, wherever you go from, um, but getting yourself there. Do you know what I mean? Like getting yourself across an ocean to the Caribbean yeah. from Europe or yeah, technically Europe, I suppose the Canaries is, Pretty yeah. big achievement. It'd be like biking across a continent. It's so much more satisfying than getting a bus. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Way, yeah. Yeah. Although I wouldn't so do just, that. No, no, yeah, it wouldn't would be as fun for sure. So, like, okay, so you had the idea of wanting to get over to the Caribbean before the end of the year. And then Alex said mm-hmm. that no, we need to make some modifications. What what did you realize that you needed to do to the boat? Because this was a boat that was a charter boat. Um, it was probably ready for coastal cruising around the Med. What did you realize you needed to do to it to get it across an ocean? Quite a list. We're still working on it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Not even in my head anymore. Well, first of all, we had to quit because we needed more time. (laughs) It was the first thing, yeah. Well, so what the boat had was basically crappy batteries, a wind generator that didn't really work well, and a very small solar panel. Hmm. It did have a very good autopilot yeah. and AIS, but only receiving. So yeah. that was it. And we, of course, everybody wants different stuff on their boat to feel comfortable crossing an ocean. I mean, there's people doing it in eight meters and have nothing. But the things that we really wanted was like also transmitting AIS so people could see us. Maybe a radar, get really good solar so we could really be off grid for a longer time for that we needed better batteries and a better charge controller then we wanted a water maker for Mm -hmm. if we go to the caribbean because we have relatively small boats a small tank yeah and um yeah spinnaker pole was important because if you go like Mm -hmm. that without it and like some extra sails and we had to redo the bottom so that was basically that was our 2020 mission. Yeah. Oh, and we wanted our, yeah. yeah, and I wanted the bigger bimini because we had a relatively small bimini and it was not enough shade for me. <laughs> it was like yeah. Alex doesn't notice until he gets like, I don't know, a heat stroke. And I was like, no, we need a bigger bimini. So there was quite some big projects. And then we did consider a wind vane. We weren't just not sure mm. if we wanted to spend that money. So the list is and then like 50 tiny things right that yeah. always come up yeah but they were like the big things we really wanted to do and that was just not going to happen in two months that's crazy yeah so we decided to start the season cruising and upgrading at the same time yeah which is never yeah. a good idea no <laughs> <laughs> cannot recommend no choose one or the other yeah, yeah. well just for yeah. buying the parts and actually getting them delivered to your boat like it's yeah, difficult if you're cruising around from like island to island or marina to marina. Like, can you actually find a chandlery that can get you a piece at that marina yeah. for a certain time when you're there? Exactly, yeah. Or yeah. marinas that are willing to receive because some marinas are a bit more difficult. Most are easy about it, but mm. some are difficult. And sometimes it doesn't arrive and you have to stay for a month and you're kind of mm. on this schedule. Yeah. So it's just easier to say, okay, take three months. I first order everything and then I build it in. And But 
we well, did pretty well in the end. Yeah. But the problem is, you know, you, you don't really know what you need until you need it three times. Yeah. And yeah, like, somebody it, told it, us it that goes cool. it goes bit by bit in a way. So we did want to see some of the of the med still from Valencia to the West. Mm -hmm. we, we went in 2020. Um, then COVID complicated the situation and everything went a bit slower and you had to see where every like if everything shuts down, are you going to be trapped? Um, thank God nothing bad happened, but we like we managed to go west, but we needed to figure out where to deliver those big upgrades and where to do stainless work, for example. Yeah. And after a while, we realized, okay, let's just get to a place, skip like little uncomfortable harbors and places and go to a place where you can actually work and where you can actually get things delivered. So we went mm -hmm. to Gibraltar and we went to Cadiz and these two places we're pretty uh, we're good for that. Really good for that because we could get all of our uh, all of our, our things delivered: batteries, charge controller, solar panel, and the work then in Cadiz. Yeah. So like we we got we set our mind to okay, let's stop cruising, let's stop these hickety hacky sales, three to five days staying in one place. Let's just commit to a month of Gibraltar and a month of Cadiz, and yeah, then it was, get everything it wasn't... going. And get everything done. It wasn't that easy though. We didn't accept it in, in in Gibraltar until it was week four, and we left. So after that, we decided it would be better. But we were still under the impression we would leave within two weeks. Yeah, yeah. and there's a guy who like there there was a guy, a mechanic, who always sang Hotel California when he passed us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you got used to the environment. You ended up blending in a little bit. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. How, well, do, you, should... do you know of, or do you have any idea about how much it actually costs? So to get your boat from like a little coastal weekend cruise up to where it is now, where you've got the solar and all the sails and the water maker, do you know how much it's cost? Uh, well, I know pretty much exactly because I'm I make financial plans and budget <laughs> before we start stuff. You've been saving like, fifteen years for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I love the numbers, right? Alex is not really into it, but I have like big Excel sheets where everything's in. Like, how much did we plan? How much did we actually spend? And and everything. So I I'd have to look it up. I I I, I can give like a ballpark number, but solve electricity. How much is that? I, I don't I can't really say I just know the the entirety of it but the thing what I wanted to I can say, tell you wait 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 what I wanted to say is that we got a lot of the things secondhand yeah so yeah. our radar was secondhand our water maker secondhand the extra sales we got were secondhand yeah the AIS was secondhand the spinnaker pole the spinnaker pole was secondhand so we saved buttloads of money there mm. because yeah. we were lucky enough to for example the sale we got a second Genoa that just happened to be from a 36 foot Beneteau. And he adjusted it a tiny bit and we paid 400 euros instead of one and a half thousand. Yeah. So if you get lucky that way and you need to get lucky, yeah. you could save a lot of money. And because of that, we didn't spend an insane amount of money. And maybe that's also the, the way, like I said, cruising and refitting or cruising and working on the boat because we, we were still cruising, we were seeing different places and we talked to different people. Mm. And the more people you talk to, like something pops up and then you find something. And then you go another month and you find your another piece secondhand. So we the radar was 400 it. bucks, which is a really good price for a radar that fits our plotter and yeah. it just works. And we needed yeah. to find exactly yeah. that radar, right? <laughs> um, the spinnaker pole was 200 bucks instead of a thousand for but a telescopic one we sold the guy it. our old battery so we ended up paying a hundred yeah 
So it's just <laughs> lots of deals all over the place here. Yeah, yeah. see, I'm always selling the crap off the boat too. So whatever you spend, you could probably say it would be double, if not more. If you had to do yeah. it in a rush and you were just starting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think so. If if we look at what we spent the first year, because we did have to do some upgrades, like the rigging needed to be done, right? Mm. And the fridge needed to be done. And there was about 5K for, yeah. for that, which we calculated a new, everybody says like 10 to 20% of the price that you pay for the boat, you'll be paying on repairs afterwards. So that's, right. you know, logical. And then I think we spend another 20. All in. All in. In after that first, yeah, to 20 is what it took for us to do all that. But we did a lot, like really a lot. Okay, let's just break it down. Like electricity, you need your solar panel, you need your charge controller, and you need batteries. And the orange. And then you need your solar arch welded and mounted. Yeah. So for the solar panel, let's just say easy peasy. That was for, for every watt, you pay a euro. Yeah. So we have a 400 watt panel, we paid 400 euros. Yeah. Uh, we have a charge controller from Victron, which is 350. We have batteries from Victron. Which were 900. Which were 900. But we got really good ones, right? So, so we decided to go for the really good batteries. And How then many amp hours the, of batteries did you get for that price 340 right and that those are like agms or lithiums no yeah. pro, pro, AGM, agms yeah. like super deep cycle so technically yeah. we drain them to like 20 percent right they have super good specs like in 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 the specifications it says that they tested these batteries draining them to zero 300 times or something and they still work fine so that seemed pretty yeah, good seems for good. Yeah. So when you like, yeah. we didn't go for lithium because it's crazy expensive. Mm. But when you go with the AGM super deep cycle and you can get down to 20%, you technically need a battery bank less, which means 45 kilos less, which mm. means less space. And we don't have that much space. And we just don't have the space. No. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and what's the rest? What did we get further? Well, that's for well, electricity. Yeah, Oh yeah, yeah the that's arch. Right. And then and then the arch on top. Oh, there and... was there was a bit more than we calculated. Definitely more expensive in Spain than when we would have done it in Greece. Yeah, and because we made a couple of dumb mistakes, which will come up in the videos, we ended up paying five hundred euros more because we had to refix things. Yeah, reweld and all. <laughs> yeah. And there was yeah. altogether almost three thousand euros for the arch, which is really expensive, I think. If we're Americans, it's actually so expensive. Yeah, I mean, it depends where you are and what you're used to. Like, there's, yeah. I mean, for like in Greece, we would have gotten it for, boats, well, for less. Cars in Greece, paid 18, and they have a bigger boat than we do, and they have the same setup. So we calculated no more than 2,000. So there was a, mm. but then we saved on different spots. So it was okay. Yeah. But there was definitely one of the more expensive things we did. No. And but I you have got a really well-designed solar arch that, that's built specifically for the panel that you've got as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. so that's pretty good. It's super sturdy. That won't come off ever. No, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. It's worth it. It was, it was Plus, on the other hand, we paid a bit more because we wanted to have it done really quick. And the guys did deliver within one and a half weeks after we talked to them. Yeah. It was on the boat and we could leave. So Yeah, which is really good. Also, yeah, you pay yeah. for that. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. So that's the so that was... power side. 
I yeah. suppose. But so what, what do you think that cost in total then? So you've got like 900, it's probably like five or six grand there, isn't there? Yeah. 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 Panel yeah, batteries, yeah. solar arch controllers. Yeah. And then over the years, of course, before we got like the Victron um, battery monitor, which was also 200 euros. So that, but we did that like a year before. So that also comes to it. And we replaced cables here and there, like small bits. So yeah, I think six, seven K is not unrealistic if you want to have good stuff. And we decided to, if we now spent the money, we get the good panels, we get the good brand batteries, the good brand solar, Yeah. charge like everything of the same thing. So it fits and... Uh, well, Victron has a good reputation, so we just decided to pay a little bit more. It just works. Yeah. It works fantastic. Like, we never ever, since we have that, worried about electrics. It's not in our heads anymore. Yeah. Ever. It's no just such a nice have. system. Like it's there, you can see it. It flashes, you know, and it's working. You've got it on your phone. Like yeah. it, it, it is so much peace of mind, especially when you know you don't have to go to sleep. Be like, oh, is my fridge going to be warm in the morning you know our fridge is always frozen yeah. yeah it doesn't matter we're still full at 12 it's amazing so how's yours going you have like you you just upgraded yeah so we well similar thing similar setup and yes so agm um that's going really well so there's like 340 amp hours of agm it's not victron it's a brand which is pretty common in spain i can't remember the name um, but the rated for, I think, I think it was like 800 to 1,000 um, cycles completely drained. So I don't know if it would actually do that and work well. And I don't intend on testing it. Um, <laughs> I won't find out. Yeah, but we went with the uh, Renergy charge controller. Um, like literally the only reason I chose that one over the Victron charge controller is because it's got the screen on it. So if for any reason your phone dies or you run out of battery, whatever, or the Bluetooth isn't working on your phone, you can actually yeah. click on there and it tells you like how many watts you're using or, you know, what percent. I don't think the percentage is completely accurate, but you can see what voltage you've got in your batteries, which would be yeah, a good right. enough indication of, of where they are. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's that's working really, really well. Yet to completely test it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's bringing in some um, bringing in some pretty decent watts, and that is nice. those. The panels are actually just off um, Amazon. They're really good, made in Germany. Uh, I think they were like a hundred euros, and they were, I think, were, I think they were like a hundred and forty watts each, something like that. That's um, really good. So yeah, I mean, it's great. It depends what you're using it for. If you're crossing an ocean like you are, and you you know you're expecting a few days where you might not get that much sun, which is pretty common if you're crossing. The Atlantic, I'd imagine. Um, yeah, you're better off with like a much larger battery bank and some, you know, heavy, heavy solar panels. But if it's for coastal cruising, like, what's the point? You know, if, if yeah. you run out of battery, just turn the engine on. Um, yeah. Yeah. Also, yeah. 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 Absolutely. Also, in, in Greece, we had super cheap flexible panels, which mm. were not very good. But yeah. for Greece, it was perfect. I mean, we spent like 150 euros on three flexible panels that were kind of crap, but they worked fine to keep us running for the time. So we, yeah. And we could be on anchor for a week without a problem. Mm. So because Greece in summer is so hot, even the crappy panels work. So <laughs> Yeah, I suppose, yeah, if the weather's that great, they still work. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. like literally everybody who I've spoken to who's purchased the flexible panels have been like, yeah, yeah, they're fantastic for a year and yeah that's exactly. it <laughs> yeah they went really well for a year and they just start to turn slowly opaque and they don't actually absorb any mm-hmm. any sunlight yeah yeah 
Yeah, but for the yeah. first year, it was, it was good because we didn't want to spend, we didn't know if we'd keep the boat, so we didn't mm -hmm. want to spend a lot of money, so we got cheap stuff for the first year. Also, we didn't drill holes, didn't mount stuff because... Nothing. We did basically, we wanted to keep the boat the way it was. Yeah. We've got suction cups everywhere. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and then in Valencia, I convinced Alex I was allowed to drill a couple holes here and there inside the cupboards first. Let's drill a hole started. now. <laughs> <laughs> I should do that in a house you just bought. It's just like, oh, when can we put that picture on the wall? Not yet. Need to wait. Not no. yet. In a year. In a, I need to get used to the idea. At what point in the journey, like you, you know, you got the boat in Greece and you started sailing around. At what point did you think, all right, maybe this will last a bit longer than a year? Or was it a case of now it can last longer than a year, like with finances and stuff? Like when, when did you make that decision? Um, it was a struggle, like, believe it or not, you, you believe you have this one year of freedom, you feel great about it. I was always anxious. Um, there's a reason why we, we are called see the little things and find happiness in doing things that are hard. Mm -hmm. Because I wasn't really happy. And I was just always, I always had it in the back of my mind, oh, uh, we have to sell the boat. Oh, what's next? Oh, what's the trouble that's going to hit us next? And um, money was somehow an issue for me yeah it wasn't because i have good financial plans and i knew <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't yeah but he he wouldn't yeah. emotionally accept that it wasn't going to be an issue yeah. yet but then yeah. you know you have to get over it and when we quit i think that's somehow that it's so counterintuitive but when you quit and you know there's no, no money from your employer coming in anymore also, you don't have to work anymore, which is a really good life hack. You know, if you don't want it, just quit. Yeah. Um, but then that's when when I realized, all right, it, it, we have enough money to keep going for a bit longer. Um, and we can always sell the boat. We've, we have a marina that we can pay if we have to. Mm. In order to go back to a house and start working. So there's an, there's an exit plan. There's a contingency like line. How do you say? Anyways. And that's when I realized, okay, now we have to start living and we make little money coming in from YouTube and from the channel and we can make it happen. And so, that's when I actually got motivated to continue. Yeah, well, the thing is, we did go into the whole thing, hoping we would be able to extend it if we found a way to make money. Mm -hmm. And for the entire year, we had the sabbatical. We did say to ourselves, okay, we have this year of financial freedom because we have money coming in. So we do want to try to find ways to make money in this year, because if we don't do that, we're going to feel stupid because we had the freedom, we worked yeah. for it. And then we just enjoyed freedom and did nothing to become to keep it self-employed because we, I always wanted to be self-employed yeah. and Alex a bit less, but, and um, so we did from the beginning half the idea. It's just that before we were actually there thinking it would be possible, it took us quite a while. And uh, I think somewhere in August already, I said to Alex, we're like October, because we were going back and forth so much. Do we continue? Can we do this? Is this financially like, feasible. feasible? I said to him, by the 1st of November, we're going to make a decision. So either we quit and we continue and we deal with not having money, or we're going to decide on the 1st of November, we don't quit and we're going to sell the boat and go back to Berlin. So the 1st of November was really the breaking point. <laughs> yeah. So what is that? Seven months, eight months yeah. after we started. Yeah. And yeah. four months until we had to be back in Berlin and start working again. Yeah. 
And I thought, <laughs> oh, God, four months? No, I'm going to quit. <laughs> it's, it's just a complete mind shift. And the thing is, it's like you've both come from a prick. I mean, I think Berlin's probably like, well, it's definitely the most like cosmopolitan city in, in Germany. But even still, just by European standards, it's a very like business orientated. It's a great lifestyle city. And you're in like, you know, professional successful jobs where you've got a regular paycheck coming in. You know what your career's got planned out. To go from that to living frugally on a boat and not knowing what's happening, that, that's just like I, I can understand because I've I was employed the majority of my life. I worked for big corporates and then I moved into like self-employment. And it takes a long time to get used to that. You know, just be able to sit there and be like, right, I might work for six months and not earn anything. And yeah. to get to the point where you accept that, you, you, there's yeah. a lot of battles that you have to work through in your own mind, especially when you've got like a wife or kids or whatever, and you know, you're providing for other people. It takes takes a while to work through it. Um, yeah. well, there was this thing with us. I mean, we didn't have a mortgage because we had a rental house. We didn't have any kids. We had no responsibilities. So for me personally, I wasn't really having trouble with that. But mm. I, I tend to worry less because I know the, the numbers. And then I'm like, whatever you know if we try for two years we could live two years if we keep living this frugal because believe it or not even though we were sailing and we were getting paid half our money we saved a lot of money still mm. so even in that first sabbatical year we saved enough money to do it another year because we just we lived yeah, just for so so little food. you're robbing yeah people exactly we just eating out of <laughs> yeah. it seemed very glamorous on youtube but basically we just, just lived a, off of other people theft involved yeah yeah <laughs> so so i was really not worried with that i mean let's go back i quit my job because i couldn't go on vacation i i normally don't worry that much about the money part because yeah, i know she's very floozy i'm i'm not so worried about that so for me it was relatively easy it was more alex i needed to convince that this, this yeah. was going to be okay <laughs> maybe that's also this german heritage so german guy doesn't quit it's like you have to work and make money <laughs> and i was like no we have to live a life that is fun yeah <laughs> No, it's cool though. I mean, so like you got to the point in November, you said, and so who made the decision? Because like obviously there would have been a discussion. Who who was the person driving? Okay, we're gonna we're gonna stick at this and we're gonna keep on doing it. Like hold the line, you know. Let's 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 keep on going. Well, I think I I wasn't really willing to go back, but also Alex was not willing to go back. He just needed some time to accept the consequence of not wanting to go back. Yeah. So, okay. so <laughs> he, he never wanted to go back to the job. I think even less than I did. Uh, yeah. But just the consequence of it was something I accepted before he did it. So it was we both kind of wanted it. We just had a different process of getting there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I I imagine now the concept of going back to a city and working in a professional office would be the worst thing imaginable. <laughs> also, I, I personally hated cities. Well, I hate it. It's maybe a strong word, but I, I like nature. Mm. And when I moved to Berlin, um, I said to Alex, this is a massive city. I come from a village. I'm not very happy with it. I'm willing to try for two, maximum three years. And then we're going to go somewhere with more nature and less buildings. Yeah. Yeah. We ended up living there for almost six years. So I was not willing to go back to that. Yeah. <laughs> no, so if you were going to go back, it would have been more, probably more like, a different lifestyle to what you were used to anyway. Yeah. yeah. But the other issue was that we did not know where. So we didn't even know which country or which town or which city or where we wanted to go. So that was, 
it made it easier to stay in the boat because then we said, well, then at least we have a house we can put wherever we want. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, we so don't so need to. In a way, you were like, this is actually the best option now. Yeah. 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 Then we don't have to make a decision on where to settle. <laughs> yeah. Which we just couldn't. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. I mean, so what? What? So from that point, like, okay, so from November, you decided, all right, now we're going to stay on the boat. We're going to keep going. What was the plan from there? Was that? was the and that's when you were in valencia so was that yeah. okay now we're gonna next year we're gonna cross the caribbean yeah that yeah. was a plan there was a plan right. definitely and during that year that was when you were going to get the boat fixed up so you could head off over there exactly and yeah. then covid hit and we lost half a season yeah yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think everyone's, and, and, everyone's experienced that what was the lockdowns like where you were you were stuck in valencia Germany. No, oh, Germany. yeah, yeah, because yeah. yeah, you went back, eh? Yeah, we went back. We left the boat in Valencia because we had to quit the apartment. And sell all of our stuff mm. that was still there because we sublet it, right? Yeah, so we flew back on like the 3rd of March, I think, like exactly a year later, basically. Mm. Um, and um, we knew Corona was starting to become a thing and there were like places kind of shutting down. So we really quickly, within one and a half weeks, sold off everything we still had in the apartment yeah and it was a lot of crap like i thought i we cleaned everything up but the basement was so filled with stuff it was insane <laughs> like, yeah we just got rid of it it was we got rid of most of it we sold everything within one and a half weeks saw all of our friends went to all of our favorite restaurants and then we just when they got locked down day, <laughs> yeah. literally the day before we gave our key uh, after we gave our keys up for the apartment there was a major lockdown in germany so we were like can we travel from north to south because we the plan was to go to my parents yeah and his dad lives in the south of germany right so 800 kilometer drive yeah so we got the 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 car a day earlier went down and then we arrived at my parents and my dad's place and then uh lockdown happened yeah then everything shut down and we were like okay fine it's gonna take a, like maybe two three months then we can move again no and we didn't i didn't calculate with that much I and then it maybe took four weeks yeah and then yeah. we came back to yeah. the boat in in july yeah so second half of 2020 we were back in the boat yeah but that's, we, not, that, we, that's, we, that's like yeah that's so i mean then, we lost a few months really yeah we lost the oh, we lost uh, the first the springtime season on the balearics which was too bad yeah, yeah. but considering yeah. the scheme of things and like it worked out really well yeah, we, and we were really lucky to be at Alex's dad and not in Valencia because it was quite bad on the boat in Spain. Yeah. yeah. So you yeah. Weren't re most people weren't even allowed onto the pontoon anymore at some points. And, and in Germany, yeah. we were still allowed to just go outside and have a walk, a walk at yeah. least. And uh, we spent some time with his dad and then with his mom. Um, we had very nice surroundings where there was not many people. And when things were a little bit easier... The, they never closed the border between Holland and Germany. So we were able to go to my parents for a bit and nice. see them. And then from there, we flew back. Yeah. That must have really set you it back. Like, men like mentally, not, I suppose, financially, although it may have done, but well, I mean, to have this plan of, okay, now we're going to get the boat ready and go across the Caribbean. And then you go back to Germany and it's like, sorry, you're locked in your house. Yeah. Because <laughs> you've just you know what? yourself Living with through, your you parents, I mean? right? Yeah. Yeah, but you know what? If we have if we didn't quit our jobs, then I, like because for the whole year, the agency works remotely. Everybody like in this digital sphere knows how to work remotely. They just didn't do it really. Um, but imagine we wouldn't have quit. We could work remotely on the boat with the jobs we have. 
which would probably have also been a good idea. You know, there's many ways to to keep this going. And but it was I wouldn't have wanted to do that. And and the one thing that we got lucky with is that we had quit our job and also calculated on not having money. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. we we exactly the first of March we didn't have an income. Middle of March. Lockdown. everything was locked down and we were like all right well we didn't calculate with having money anyway so situation like us, monetary situation didn't change for us no. whilst it did for like basically every other person on the planet yeah mm. so we were a bit lucky there so it sounds really amazing like oh wow you're so brave like founding a company and actually making money on on, on with your channel and making this happen in 2020 like yeah well it's the we planned anyway didn't yeah, it's not like you had any choice either it's not like there was loads of options yeah. you took the hardest one <laughs> you took the only one that was available to you yeah. yeah yeah but it was for me it was mentally very hard i don't i don't do very well with people telling me what i can and cannot do mm. so that was this very frustrating <laughs> for me I, I was very angry in the beginning yeah. so yeah that was hard but yeah it was the I same for me i think I, I probably went from like smoking like one cigarette a week as a novelty to uh smoking like one every hour more or less <laughs> yeah i think for like the first two weeks of lockdown i was like well i can get used to this it's like a, a holiday not by choice yeah. just in my house and then uh, yeah. yeah when it got to like a month in i was like shit i, I need to start smoking i'm getting really frustrated you know? yeah. <laughs> I was just, like knocking back the cigarettes was finding any excuse to leave the house i was like oh i'm sure i need something from the supermarket as well as cigarettes yeah, yeah, yeah exactly uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah we started drinking like some alcohol at your mom's yeah she has like good wine and there's like this mm. uh what's it the wineries the wineries are right around the corner everywhere so right. she got like these big bottles of wine. She's like, oh yeah, just tonight. And then every evening we drank a bottle. I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to turn into an alcoholic. <laughs> so it's yeah. like... Oh, I think a lot of people did during that. But you know what? The strangest things they did in Spain. And I don't know. I don't know if there's a social reason for it. It didn't quite make sense. Is they, they started banning the times in which you could buy alcohol and cigarettes. So let's say, for example, they said... After uh, eight think, or... No way, it was like 6 or 5.30. So a supermarket could stay open till 9.30, but it couldn't sell you alcohol or cigarettes past like 5 or something. I don't know the exact numbers, but it was something like that. So remember, I was on the boat, and um, the guy who is a liverboard next to me, his friend was on board, and he, he turned up at like 6. He was like, oh, I can't get any cigarettes. I was like, why not? He was like, oh, they won't sell them to you. They said they're not essential. I was like, well, they're essential for you. And he was like, yeah, but, you know, they, didn't, they wouldn't let me. I was like, that's so strange. Oh, like, how on earth can you come up with? I don't oh, know God. how that prevents the spread of COVID <laughs> by like yeah, smoking less or. But you know the thing is, it's like smoking and alcohol. Smoking helped me get through lockdown because mm. I was going outside and I was instead of getting angry in my living room, sat next to my wife. I was like, oh, I'll just go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> went to the back garden, just started smoking. Yeah. <laughs> so it probably helped. It helped my wife. Yeah. You know, I know that for a fact. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> easier for her. Wow, so selfless. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So kind of me to spend all that money on cigarettes yeah. <laughs> during lockdown. Yeah. All right, cool. So that's like, I suppose, well, I, I tell you, actually, just taking it back. So I, I just like veered off there when, when we started um, uh, talk, talking about the plans and stuff. Just going back to like the work that you did on the boat. So the main chunk of the money was on the power system. Yeah. So getting the boat ready from and a then power of course perspective. Yeah, and then of course the hydro vein was almost just as much, yeah. which was a an investment we we had some sleepless nights over whether we we should do it or not. So that was a big one, 
and then um, all the rest was like peanuts peanuts <laughs> almost compared to that i mean of course it you know it stacks up if you leave 800 here a thousand here 400 there but that was definitely the biggest investments we did and i think fixing the hole unexpectedly was also a lot more expensive than we thought it would be mm. Well, was I that just from that, like how many sanding pads you needed to buy and the amount of time you had well, to put into it? The time. Yeah. The time, time, but also the materials, because we didn't expect to have to scrape off everything. Yeah. yeah. We thought we yeah. could just, you know, sand it a bit and repaint and be done with it. And we had to take everything off. So we needed more primer, more anti fouling. We needed tools. We needed to stay in the hard. And that all. Yeah. Get added an apartment. Up. Yeah. Get an apartment because that added up. We couldn't stay on the boat. It was more than double than what we calculated. So that mm. was, I think, in the end, about 2K. That was a tough one, yeah. yeah. That, was a, that was a breaking point and another one, you know? It's Mentally. Not... Did, did you have to take it back to gel coat? Like, was there so many layers of antifoul? Yeah. 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 Ah. Like so six, what, what? No, we brought yeah. back the primer, I guess. The primer. We left the primer oh, on the primer. primer. But also that it wouldn't come off. Like, no yeah. matter what you did, it wouldn't come off. So we didn't go that far. Yeah. Yeah. So that was like six then, layers of antifoul. To, why was there so was much? Were, were they were they putting it on the hard every year when? Yeah. 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 All right. Yeah. So it's the reason hard for six six months in the hard, six months in the water. Oh, so that's why they had to put a new uh, a new a new uh, layer of antifoul on every time. Yeah. yeah. So we knew we would have to take it off. We had just calculated we're doing it next year. Yeah. And we thought we'd get away with it, but you never yeah. get away with it. I, I, I wasn't completely convinced um, that we would, but uh, Alex was very convinced we would, so I, I chose to believe him. <laughs> I think when your whole speed goes from like seven and a half down to four, it's time, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's time. It's time. It just happens gradually. You don't know, you know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's funny though. I remember when you were saying, it was just, I think it was when you were talking about the amount of time it took you to take to Gibraltar and you said there was like, 25 foot boats just like whizzing straight past you and yeah. you had your engine on your motor sailing well, oh, that's bad yeah. Yeah, yeah that should have been obvious that this was not going to be an easy yeah. job but you know if you see the pictures now like, it's gruesome it's horrible yeah. oh yeah well, when i think i don't know if you put them online or if you sent if you sent them over but when you show me them underneath your boat i was like i can't distinguish what is living matter and what is yeah. a different coat of paint because <laughs> there's yeah. just so much stuff on there it's crazy yeah. I, I don't know if you know this but our anti-fouling was white yeah it was white was it yeah well, well what I, you saw right. wasn't, you know, it thing. was really light greenish yeah i thought light. it was green and it just worn off in places yeah no it was like really light greenish almost white yeah, so. but everything right. that you think was green anti-fouling was already garbage yeah it was uh, not. so that was living that, those are cultures on yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. 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 It was horrible. Yeah. 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 Not proud of it. No, yeah, but so it's, was... it's done. That's, and that, it, it's time. It's not like you have to whip out thousands and thousands and thousands to get it done. Yeah. No, because we, yeah, but it just co did cost us quite some money for, of course, the extra materials. But that in the end wasn't as much as we thought it would be either. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Did you have like right. a debate over the type of anti foul that you put on there? Because you, you, okay. I mean, I've I've only ever really sailed in one type of climate with my own boat, but I know that it's a the type of anti foul that you need for the Mediterranean is different from what would suit your boat if you were in warm water climates like Caribbean, for example. 
To be honest, we didn't really I, think about it that I, much. I still didn't even know there was a thing. No. <laughs> oh, yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's new. Okay, good. I'll keep that in mind. Well, well you I get different stuff that. growing on your boat, don't you? It's a, you get... Yeah, um, yeah I often yeah. add stuff, yeah. Yeah, like we the stuff in the Mediterranean, you can more or less just brush it off. Um, you don't really get yeah. like hard, that many hard barnacles. You don't get corals growing on your hull, for example, whereas like in the Caribbean, yeah. you do. Well... Oh, we, then we have the right stuff because like we, we had the whole bottom filled with barnacles yeah like without a spot left and actually, in valencia and also here now we just a week ago we apparently forgot to uh paint the top of our rudder there was oh, coral yeah. growing on it on now. the top yeah, yeah. How like on the little that? piece on the top i did well like it, because it's between the hole right so it's just oh really right thin. yeah i know what you mean okay you oh so you've just got a stripe there <laughs> yeah and alex like after we came after we stayed in the marina for two months he was like oh the runner is going so difficult you know why is it so hard i was like i don't know that like, we probably yeah. just moved too little so all right and then when we were in the anchorage one of our friends was on the boat and we said can you just have a look at our prop once and then he said oh by the way do you know you have actual coral growing on top of your rudder and we're like ah that explains yeah. i don't know if it's actually <laughs> yeah, it kind of looked like it yeah it's just shelly Jelly white stuff. Oh, it's probably like yeah. barnacles with like some color growth on them or something like that. I guess, yeah. Yeah, yeah but we didn't have much debate over the anti-fouling because we just called the guy that did our anti-fouling the year before mm. because we had a great guy doing that that always did the boat for the previous owner and we just asked him what it was and bought the same stuff. Yeah. Yeah, you need to so, make sure. I think, well, I mean, they always recommend keep with the same one, but it's not just that because there's difficult, there's, uh, sorry, there's different chemical bonding properties with the different types of anti-fell mm. so if you yeah. if you have a and then you just whack a b straight on top it might not stick or it might not work and you'll just get ridiculous amounts of growth on there mm. yeah. yeah yeah so yeah we also heard like there's certain primers you can put in between that will stick then to the old one and make sure the new one stays on mm. but we didn't do too much too much research on that because we, we we thought we could just put the same one on again so. Yeah, so we got the same one, but then we put everything off. So we put a layer of primer on it, which looked really nice. It, yeah. It's, I just wanted primer. to have that color. It was yeah. silvery, shiny primer. Oh. There you go. Yeah. So it didn't really matter in the end, but yeah, well, it was there, We just so. got what was available in the, in the yard, actually, because it wasn't that much of a choice. Mm. So we just got that and put that on and didn't really think about it much. Yeah. Yeah. So you must I, have saved I, a ton of like navigation equipment. I mean, you got the, that radar is easier two grand radar because of the, the strength of it, and you got that for well, like a, a few hundred euros or four hundred euros. Yeah. Or something. yeah. But to be fair, the market value is four hundred bucks. A bit more, maybe. A bit more. A bit yeah. more, but we got a good price on it anyway. It's an analog radar. Raymarine works with the C eighty and the E sixty of like this old plotter series. Mm. Yeah, the button is not yeah, the, the quantum button radar. Button. So, you know, yeah. it's it's the the radar that's now worth four to five hundred euros. Yeah. Oh right. If, yeah. Can, if you find it, that's the problem. That but we did. Problem, yeah. yeah. But it's. I mean, back in the days, it was expensive. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it would probably be the equivalent of what it costs now for like the yeah, like the quantum ones, like you were saying. Where I mean, I think yeah. if you get the stronger, the strong, the, they're like one thousand eight hundred upwards, something like that. Oh. See, you know so much about boats. I have no idea. <laughs> no clue. We just it's COVID, man. The... I got so much spare time. I don't have any work. I'm just oh my oh, god, go on this website, go on that website, and then I tell my <laughs> wife all about it. She doesn't care. You know, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> right, you know, she knows so much stuff now. Just blame COVID for everything. It's fine. 
Yeah, yeah, that's a good one, right? Yeah. So what? No, we, we honestly. We... Wait, never ask the question. Oh, okay. Oh yeah. So what? What are the plans for the future then? So you've gone from Greece. Now you're in the Canaries. You did a bit of maintenance work, and you did some stuff in Cadiz. What are the confirmed plans for the future? Um, Still cross, right? Yeah, we want to cross next season, which means well, the end December of, next the December end of this, this year. year yeah. yeah, in like nine months, ten. Yeah, because the plan was a bit like when we said before. This thing with in my head was like I want to have children, and. I want to still cross the ocean without them because I want to have this experience without being responsible for someone else. Mm. That's why I was very set on then crossing last year because then I said we have to postpone another year and I wanted it for a longer time or we both actually wanted, but me a bit more. Mm. And um, so we decided then to cross last year and then when we arrive, start having babies if everything goes well and we're lucky. And um, then COVID happened and we decided that's not a good idea. And uh, so we decided to cross, to cross, yeah, to cross the Atlantic. Mm -hmm. And then I said, I don't want to wait another year <laughs> because then I'm going to be too old and I don't like that. So we decided to, uh, to try. And uh, probably most people know already by the time this podcast comes out that we actually managed and I'm now halfway through the pregnancy. What? And <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> what, is, what a good setup. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the plan is to sit that out, right? Let it grow this year, have it in summer, and then cross the ocean with like a, a very small child. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be good. Feed yeah. yes, friends. Uh, that is brand new information. Yes. <laughs> well, I kind of want to have this guy to maybe come with us if he's interested so so we don't have two of us that, it yeah. would help do you, do you yeah. know if you're having a boy or a girl yet or that's coming in we oh, found you know. out yesterday okay so Is we were going to tell you share? yeah we're, well we will uh, make it a big deal to say it no no i don't want to i i want to do it kind of nice in the video so okay. we will tell you afterwards but we'll tell in the videos later <laughs> okay <fine. laughs> See for a boy oh, or a girl, we know about. You have to cut it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we could talk about it after. That's cool. And so, all right, now getting a boat ready to sail across an ocean is like pretty cool. There's a lot of information available about that. What about getting a boat ready to cross an ocean with a like two month old baby? Where have you gone for the research on that one? None. <laughs> I think we're pioneering. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, you might be the people who are writing the information on it. You might be the ones yeah. who will go to well, the research. Well, to be honest, there's, there are books about it. Um, there's this Dutch book. Oh, yeah. I have this really cool book here that some Dutch people in Gibraltar actually gave us. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, it's called um, Translated the Rhythm of the Ocean. Right. Um, what, this and is about having babies on boats? Well, no, yeah, it's more or less. not completely, but it was a Dutch couple that uh, was about our age when they started. They bought a 33-foot boat and planned to sail around the world in three years. And when they started, they had a five-month-old daughter. Oh, we so spoke I, about this. You mentioned this before. Yeah. Yeah. So, and he talks about it, and it's it's pretty hard, actually, in the beginning. Like, I don't think it's going to be as easy as I think it might be. <laughs> But so I read that book and it, they seem pretty happy doing it. And, so, well, at least they managed. <laughs> at they least managed. that's what they wrote in the book. They needed to yeah, sell yeah. the thing, you know. 
they managed at least. So that's that's basically what I read on it. And further, all the research I did on that is how to deal with diapers when crossing an ocean. <laughs> yeah, lots Whoa. of diapers. That's because you don't want. Actually. Yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I they spent stink. a lot of time researching that. Yeah, that, that's pretty bad. Well, I, you know, you might be better off actually doing the. Um, like non-reusable i i don't know what they are we haven't used them but i suppose like back in the day you used a towel yeah yeah the, you can like. have like cloth nappies yeah. and i think there's like a million different versions i've already bought everything i was very much into so it. you've I'm got like, the cloth nappies ready i have them ready that's right, basically okay, all cool. we have for the baby <laughs> cloth putting it on the record now if i come with you and across the atlantic i'm not washing shitty cloth baby yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, not, that's not one of my duties <laughs> i learn how to cook before i commit to doing that that's true <laughs> well yeah that and um i did quite some research about um i have to i only know the dutch word but basically like putting your child like potty train it from week two so that you don't necessarily get dirty diapers there's a pretty good system for that so you can hopefully prevent most of it and you don't need to wash that much so that's kind of what I'm going for. No, you can read. Lots of people do it. It's really interesting. You can yeah. just you just do it on set times. Let's see how it works, right? I can practice at home before you go back to the boat. But there's quite some people that manage from like month one to never have a child poop in a diaper. What? What? Yeah. <laughs> so Where I thought... Yeah, on a potty. You just hold them on it already at four weeks or over a sink, something like that. Over a sink? Yeah. Well, you just really? hold it overboard. There'd be no need to... Or that, hold yeah. It over the sink. <laughs> wrap it on with well and then hold it, yeah. 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 Pete, th this so is that's... possible, like from two weeks old, two months old, yeah. sorry. Not two, three, four weeks. People, Some people start with four weeks. So you can train the baby. So when it when it's basically floating, you can... Give it the eye and it's like oh now it's time and it will just yeah go. well they have like systems where they for example either they try and read signals of the kids or they just do it before you feed after you feed before you sleep or when you change your diaper and sometimes of mm. course you have to wait 10 15 minutes right but a lot of people say they have at least they manage to get reduce it to half of the diapers for example so that would be half of the washing i'll be happy with that <laughs> Well, it'd just be nice. It would be nice anyway, even if it wasn't like specific to like living on a boat because you don't want to have to deal with diapers constantly. Yeah. I didn't know that was possible. Like my wife can't find out about that because that will definitely be <laughs> something for the next baby. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of these internet things that, that she likes to read up on. Oh, you know, they do this here, they do that there. And I'm like, oh, yes. okay. But that one would stick. So she can't find out about that. I don't well, think she listens to listen these to things. I don't no, think she, she listens to them. We're all right. <laughs> <laughs> so have you, have you thought about where the baby's going to sleep? Um, what about baby food on board? How are you going to wash the baby? Have you gone, you've already planned all this stuff out. Um, well, a little, little bit. Now we're actually happy we have the three cabin version because yeah, that... usually our owner's version, two cabins, it's amazing. You have this big massive bed in the back right and then one big locker but to be honest it's way nicer to have three cabins because then one can be a guest cabin and one can be an inside locker yeah. that is not wet just think about that <laughs> mind-blowing like you can just put all that stuff in there that shouldn't get wet like kitchen stuff 
bicycles anything basically everything. everything's in there so yeah we we will probably have well we have one guest cap and we're going to make that really nice so that's going to get a better mattress and everything so it's going to be comfortable oh. <laughs> in case you, so you know and um well yeah that's i guess where we're going to put the baby and if we have people we either put it with us or yeah. on the couch or something i don't i mean the baby doesn't really care it will sleep wherever so yeah and there's lots of these these seats that are made for cars or for travel or for um, the Dutch, they like to do camping, so they have baby stuff for camping. Mm -hmm. And that kind of fits the lifestyle. Like you can fold yeah. all these tents, like you have a baby bed and you can fold it. Yeah, it's like a tiny tent, so it's contained and yeah. you can put that yeah. on the bed. Or... So there's lots of nifty yeah. solutions for that. Yeah, so we got a bit into that and we prepared some of that stuff. Mm. We just yesterday found like a blow up bathtub. So yeah, yeah, I've like, seen these. Yeah. Also, great thing about our boat, like everything comes together now, you know? Yeah. Like 2019, we knew everything. The bathroom of the heads of the boat is the biggest one on a 36-footer ever built, I believe. Or on many boats, honestly. Yeah, like the saloon is a bit smaller, but you have separate um, sink, separate shower, shower and separate yeah. heads. Yeah. It's just so big. So that now comes in as... Very handy. Very handy because you can just put the baby in the shower area. It has a little stool. You, you can, can put, put it a in its own bathtub mm. in there. So everything <laughs> comes together on these yeah. 36 feet. It's amazing. Yeah, the, because I think the difference with yours there, like the bath, the bathroom is put the sink area. I don't know if there's a boat name for a sink area, but I don't use boat words anyway. So this, yeah. is there a boat name for a sink? Sink? Sink. I would still call it a sink, right? Yeah, it's a sink. Okay, so let's just say it's a sink. That that area is like pretty standard, but you've got a shower that you can like full on shower in. You're not yeah. like that. You can actually stand you know, normal. Go, yeah. yeah, yeah, you can do the hair. You know, you can get under there. Yeah. Like it's actually a really good size, which I think yeah. that's really special considering the size of the boat. Yeah, yeah. That was, by the way, one of the reasons I wanted the three six one pretty badly when I found out about that. That was when I was a little bit set on this boat because I was yeah. like, if we're gonna live on a boat, I'm not gonna shower above the toilet. Like, yeah, you I, can do it for a charter. Yeah, I don't, I don't need to live fancy, but I want to be able to shower like a normal person in a shower. <laughs> that was not shower yeah. above a toilet. Yeah, there's, yeah. A, there's a big difference. Oh, you know, you you turn the sink into a shower. I'm not, I don't like. Yeah. Oh yeah, I really hated that idea like yeah, so much. Like when I saw this, I was like, I don't care about anything else anymore. I just want that bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I remember um, like well, back when I was younger and we didn't have that much money, we used to do caravan holidays and it was the similar thing. Everything turned into something else because it had to, because yeah. the, the house was the size of a bedroom. And mm. um, yeah, when I saw a few and I was looking at both, so I was like, I don't, this is a throwback. I don't really, <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I don't really want to go through <laughs> this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I grew up like that. Like caravans are like a thing in Holland, right? The first 13 yeah. years of my life, it was just caravans. Mm. Yeah. But we had a nice big one though. We had real beds, like real beds, big ones. So you were preparing we're... for boat life from like way early on then. <laughs> yeah. Although to be fair, my parents are very nice. They let us sleep in the good beds, us tiny kids, and they slept yeah. together on the, the couch that they made into a bed. So oh, you're spoiled. Sports. You can't be that kind. You, you no. Be, <laughs> no, you can't be that kind. Oh, you keep, be. keep the best. Crazy, right? <laughs> yeah. So I, yeah, I think. Parents... 
so like for when you're underway and stuff you need like some baby chairs or baby seats that you can strap to something yeah I don't know have you figured like where yeah. all those safe spaces are and what you're gonna do I, I think that's something to do like when yeah. we come back to the boat it's not like we set off into the wild beyond west horizon thing like later, we, yeah. we will probably spend some time fixing everything here and uh, we saw some boats that had this chico what's it called i don't know what you need to tell me the name of the of the, the maxi cozies the maxi cozies oh sorry they okay. had that fixed um next in the cockpit uh well, it was just under my idea. spray hood oh yeah i've seen oh. that yeah yeah so yeah. like you just strap your child in there it's under the spray hood quite safe and then you hopefully choose to use the opposite side of the uh, the opposite winch Mm. and yeah. not the one next to the child they had a different spot <laughs> set up though yeah so that's an option but we'll have to figure that out yeah we're still trying to figure some of that out and we, we do try to get a couple of safety stuff done before we leave mm. if, to go back to have the baby actually yeah there's lots of nest building right now mm, yeah especially yeah. alex funny enough he's yeah. like yeah. i need to get everything there. ready yeah. <laughs> every day i see him the i'm like oh my god where's the next yeah. one gonna go i fixed <laughs> the bilge no pump it's a bunch yeah. of new projects so it's cool in yeah. a way. you didn't know this when you crossed with us oh uh, actually we also didn't talk about it you crossed with us from uh, cadiz to lanzarote what and... really yeah you did. did you did you don't remember brand new information <laughs> yeah is it also brand new information that we only had a manual bilge pump yeah, yeah. But a lot of sailboats only have manual when i got mine there was only a manual bilge pump one of the first oh, things I'm i did no no it doesn't bother me no well, my boat's like 25 years old. So when when I got it, I, I remember I took the uh, floor pans off. I was like, where's, where's the electric bilge? And I was like, well, it's floated for 25 years without one. So maybe maybe there's no yeah. rush. But uh, yeah, then yeah. I installed a new toilet and uh, that started leaking pretty bad. So then I was like, okay, let's get, <laughs> let's get an electric bilge in there. Yeah, yeah. Quite a bit of salt water underneath. So you put an electric yeah. one in now. Oh, it was yeah, an automatic one. Well, no. it was yeah. in there. It was just never connected. So yeah. it was on the list of stuff to do. But Alex finally connected it, and it works. So that's good. Yeah, I learned crimping. Yeah, and all that. And lots of swearing. Yeah, yeah. Did you have to feed like new hose through somewhere and put a new through hole in, or was it already no, set you... already? No, the great thing is everything was set up. Everything's right. connected, and um, the. The cable was just not connected. Yeah, the bilge, like the automatic, automatic switch is this, um, well, you can put it in the podcast notes if you want to, but um, it's like a hy hydraulic switch. So you just put a hose in the bilge. Okay. And once that water fills up, there's pressure um, filling up in that hose and that pushes a button into in this automatic switch. Right. And then it just right. feeds uh, feeds twelve volt into the manual build into the manual bilge pump that already exists. Oh right, so it's, 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 they have it's like a, a freshwater thing, a freshwater uh, top up for a fish tank type of thing in a way. Yeah, it just yeah. autumn like as yeah. soon as you have a level, it just pops, and yeah. then it, no, it doesn't like it goes on. It goes on. It just switches on and goes to the normal bilge pump. Yeah, mm. and it was all there. It just so we only had to connect the cable so yeah. there was so it took you relatively... three years to do that or when did you yeah, realize did. so you knew it all did. that time <laughs> yeah yeah well there was lots of things we wanted to do that was somehow never really priority no we we have we have a dry boat so we never really thought about it no we never had like there's yeah. Yeah. dust and spider webs growing in our builds there so 
yeah, it's pro- probably never even necessary. No, it's it's one of those security things. Like it's, I mean, what are the chances of a through hole just popping out? It's pretty low anyway, and to, mm. for it to happen when you're not there, it, again, yeah. ridiculously low. But I, I had a motorboat uh, before I started sailing, so um, and they do fill up with water. The bilges do get wet because they're not designed mm. the same way a sailboat is, where they're closed on top. And uh, yeah, yeah, like an electric bilge is it's it's absolutely necessary like when i remember when i first went down to the marina after the i think it was like the second rounds of lockdowns there was a really bad storm and there was quite a few boats got blown off the moorings um yeah like the line snapped and i know there was like a 34 foot bavaria that just ended up uh, on the other side just bashing against the wall for like for hours and hours uh, but i oh, think wow. during the last storm in november one of the guys who works in the yard there okay. said there was three motorboats went under uh, just because of the amount of water um, that was that was going inside of them. Because if you're not if you're not there and you're away from your boat for like three months and there's a couple of storms, yeah, I'm going electric yeah. bilge. Then yeah, I buy boat. Oh. That's also a great marina though. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's one of those you know, 24 hour security, but everyone gets the boat broken into all the time as well. So yeah, what does <laughs> security do? Well, yeah, one of the guys who's like got a big uh, catamaran. On the end, well, it's, it's like a cat. It's like a uh, motor catamaran, motormaran. I don't know what you call it. Anyway, um, motormaran. I like that. He's he's got people breaking in there all the time. Last time I saw him, he's got uh, his knuckles are all busted up. It was oh, I broke my knuckles. I was like oh, I caught a couple like having sex in the bedroom. So you know, I beat the guy up. And I was like, where's where's security? <laughs> he's like, oh, you know, it's no, like you pay for people to be driving oh, so they're not even the stealing stuff they're doing stuff inside great <laughs> it's really nice it's like it's a 55 foot lagoon something um yeah. it, it's ba- right. it's got so the i don't even know how you describe catamarans properly the saloon area half of the saloon is down below and that is all one master uh bedroom yeah all one master yeah. cabin so it goes across the entire length of the center of the catamaran then you've just got two at the back it's huge like the the width of the bedroom is like 24 so it is like if you were if you were looking to impress a lady you'd be like well let's break into that and do some business in there. yeah, yeah that's <laughs> like, true. It, it would be a very impressive thing not for him because he has to deal with you know the problems that come along with that i suppose yeah, yeah, but uh yeah anyway okay so plans for the future come back get the boat ready for baby boat life i and hope that, i hope you have a baby that actually ends up liking sailing mm. yeah, yeah me too we hope so too well till now every time we sail it gets very active and starts kicking around so yeah i take that as a good sign that it's excited <laughs> let's see yeah you know i don't know if the, i don't know if this is science but we watched a lot of star trek when my wife was pregnant and now arthur loves star trek so whenever the yeah. theme tune comes on for voyager he will just go mm. And he'll just like <laughs> stare at the TV and he it's literally the only time he's ever quiet. So maybe that's the I trick. See, well, yeah, that's a trick. We just need to go out and motor a lot. So it likes the engine sound. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's going to be. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be great. I mean, like boat life is one thing, but then like boat life when you've got a newborn is, well, completely different. I'm pretty sure when you yeah. first started this, that concept was just not in the back of your mind at all. No. Well, baby, like baby steps, right? Well, a little bit. I, we did talk about maybe having kids then on the boat yeah. if we wanted to continue. We were never really against it, but it wasn't like a set plan. No, no. And it's also 
like if you bring your kid because you have a house and you have a job and you have a boat in the marina then that's probably really different mm. you just bring your kid for the weekend enjoy two days out on anchor and come back but yeah a little board life on 36 foot with three people constantly mm. it's gonna be tough it's gonna be interesting yeah i mean the thing is though it's like okay if you lived in all right berlin is like a more, a, an affordable city if you, if you lived in like london or paris or you know some expensive like really expensive european city if you had two kids and you were on normal incomes and there was two of you and you had to work and you had to pay for daycare and all that type of stuff you'd, you'd live in a very very small two or three bed apartment tiny where the living space would be no bigger than the boat you've got oh yeah yeah, maybe that's yeah true. it's yeah. true berlin although berlin is getting there yeah. getting expensive yeah yeah yeah, but I, I, I can see where you come from. But I think the more challenging parts are the sailing bits. Mm. Yeah. And like so much seeking space. shelter and being in places that are nice for a child and yeah. finding kids to play with, you know, because there's a lot of social components missing. We yeah. notice it ourselves. We don't like we're really happy when we're in Gran Canaria and there's people on the pontoon because out in the anchorage there's not really going much going on and you yeah well depends on where depends something. on where you are in greece it was easy yeah so a kid in greece yeah though that, that i would do in a heartbeat now I, I i do get used to this but yeah it was <laughs> and i think the challenge is going to be uh of course being able to work further while having a kids i'm yeah. very easily distracted hmm. and um that's going to be a challenge yeah for sure yeah but I, I think, think that, like, because you're going over to the Caribbean, like from what I've seen, I've I've never been there on a sailboat. I've been there, but not I've not not sailed around there. Um, a lot of the anchorages and the harbors and the marinas that people stay at, they do seem like way more family oriented than your average marina in the Mediterranean. Like you see a lot more people getting together on beaches, like doing barbecues, yeah. you know, like introducing themselves to each other. You see like a lot more like cordial activity in, in anchorages than you probably do in the Med. Probably because everyone yeah. speaks one common language, I suppose. Whereas in the Mediterranean, you do get people from all over the world, yeah. especially the different European countries. Yeah, that's no, true. Also, one of our friends said that um, the previous owners of their boats, they also went um, did like the Atlantic round with a couple of their kids. I don't know, mm. two or three they had. And uh, they said that everybody who has kids puts up a pirate flag so you can recognize the other boats that has kids. Mm. So, oh, really? Yeah. yeah. So... That we, maybe that's just the thing they do in the Caribbean. I don't know, but yeah, they maybe. said they did that. So that that's then makes it easy. So I guess we're gonna have to get a pirate flight. Yeah. <laughs> no, that I mean, yeah. Well, it's little things like that make such a difference. You know, yeah. like we were. Um, so my wife took our um, our kid to the nursery just to check it out, like last week, because the nurseries have been yeah. closed, you know, for like a year almost in mm-hmm. in some places. Yeah. And, so she was, they were basically having a conversation about like what the effects of COVID were and the lockdowns and all that type of stuff. And and she was, the, the lady who worked there, she was saying the different types of negative effects it's had on the children. Like they're not speaking as soon as they would do. They're not interacting with children like they should do for their age. Um, yeah. You know, really, really basic stuff. And it's like, I, I can see that happening as well. If you're in a location which isn't family friendly, like, like if you, if yeah. you were if you were sailing around Spain and you had a kid on board, you would be pretty stuck in some locate. Like if you were in a marina in Valencia, I, yeah. I just presume that is not a family marina. Uh, no, I, I just, no. I just, yeah, I just, presume, I just presume it. Yeah. 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 Whereas, like, yeah, suppose if you're going over to the Caribbean, from what I've seen, it is like way more family oriented. Mm. 
Yeah, I think so too. I think there'll be a bunch of spots and that's going to maybe influence the cruising a little bit because I do want to give the kid the opportunity to be, you know, develop socially. <laughs> be yeah. nice. Yeah, but the great thing is like you will probably end up in places that are more safe and more comfortable. Yeah. And I think that's also something that makes this worth like if you're cruising as a marathon and you keep doing it, then you do have to go for comfort. Mm. And, you know, it's not like we are out there and every like everything is 25 knots and there's waves and everything is bad all the time. No, that's the exception. Mm. I think you have to go to the places that are just really relaxed and really nice. Yeah. I think I remember when we were in, um, okay, what, what was the first island that we pulled up at in the Canaries? The one where we stayed the first few oh, nights. Graciosa. Yeah, Graciosa. Yeah, that was like that anchorage was really well. Actually, from quite a few different wind, wind angles, that was a pretty decent anchorage. But I remember when we first pulled up, you were like, I only want to stay in pristine anchorages. And I was like, well, yeah, yeah. if you live in anchorages, I imagine, you know, you'd only want to stay in nice ones. It's like if, you're a, if, you, if you should camp, if you camped everywhere, you, you wouldn't camp in a car park. You know, you'd camp no. on top of the most beautiful mountain in Europe or something like that, you know? Yeah. 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 That's cool. Yeah, it's I think it's just okay. So uh, putting that light to one side, have you thought about the schooling aspect of it yet? Because that's like a big thing that I've been thinking about recently. Like, are you going to go for German curriculum, Dutch, and like, can you even do that? Do you have to buy books? Is it online? Have you thought about well, that? Until, until now, if you're like, we are subscribed in Germany because we basically also live there. Um, so in Germany, you you have to go to school. But when you're six in when, Holland, when you six. have to go when you're four. In and Germany, so, when you and yeah. there's no, and in Germany there's no um, homeschooling. No homeschooling allowed. Okay. Today, maybe that changes with COVID and remote schooling, which is not the same as homeschooling. But I don't think so. So like, it's still going to be a lot of years until we have to figure that out. Yeah, that's going to be six years for ha for Germany and four if it's Holland, although you could maybe get out of the first two years somehow. But also we talked to a couple of Dutch people uh, that actually gave me this book <laughs> to them. because <laughs> they the also, Yeah, they, they did actually sail for a couple of years with, when their kids were like nine, 11, something like that. And they said, you just go to a part of holland like the hague where they have too many kids and they can't deal with it and they go like oh you want to homeschool for a year on a travel great go so oh yeah it works like that yeah apparently that's what he yeah. said he said don't go to a to a place where they what's it called like a county where they have a lot of money and and they have time to think about this because then they go like no schooling is important you can't do that so just subscribe to a crappy county and then they'll be <laughs> fine with it and then you can homeschool <laughs> that's the solution but i mean what what's what is the repercussions of this? Like, are they going to fly like the German oh. police over to the Caribbean and deport the child? Like, what, what, what do they do? In Holland, there was like, there was this girl called Laura Decker. I don't know if okay. you ever heard of her, but she oh. was like a 13 year old girl and she wanted to sail around the world alone. Right. So that was her. And she did that in the end. But, uh, and her parents in the end approved because it was like her big dream and everything. But this was like, big it came into the media everybody like child support and it was like a big thing and they were really against it and they the parents actually i think um might be leading myself out of the window here but they they did get in a little bit of trouble and there was like big thing about it because she wanted to get out of school for a year 
and she was 13. And there was, was that like the education side or was that you can't let your kids sail around the world on their own at 13? A little bit of both, I think. That's, Mostly education, yeah. but also that they said it was irresponsible. I mean, I get from like the responsibility part. If I had a 13 year old, I wouldn't let them leave the house without a GPS. Never mind, like sail around yeah. the world on their own. No chance. Yeah. I thought I've researched it. You know, I had a lot of spare time during COVID. So you can buy like very small chips now that you just stick to your child and then you always know where they are. So they'd always have out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's not like, free at all. Yeah, no, they're cool. So they're like 40 euros, but then you have to pay like 40 euros a year for an annual subscription. Um, yeah. But yeah, and they're super small. Like you could put it on the kid and it would never know. Or you could put it in a sock or something. Yeah, yeah, you can put it on my boat. Well, they um, so they're made for dogs. You put it, you you can just simply attach it to a dog collar. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Okay. But I'm thinking, like, kid, you know, stick it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> stick it on the kid. Yeah, it looks really good. Yeah. Um, if it's so, a yeah, kid's that. If it's from that side of it, I get it. But to say that. I mean, I don't know. It depends what your idea is. But I, I wouldn't like it if the UK were trying to get social services on my case because I didn't want to send my kids to school. What if the schools are crap? But also it was just a year, you know, she wasn't, and, and she was going to do something. I don't know. And the experience you get in a year of sailing alone around the world is very incomparable to a year of, Sitting you know, primary school. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I understand. I mean, it's set a precedent. Maybe, but And yes. then all the other kids were like, yeah, I'm going to do the same. Yeah, exactly. All, <laughs> all those the other, other kids, kids start sailing the world. All these 13-year-old <laughs> yeah, yeah. oh teenagers the and sailing the <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, th I think that's not something we have to worry about too much yet until it's at least six years old. So that's going to be in, what, six and a half years? Yeah, you've Let's got a while left. I mean, you could yeah. be in a resident in a different country by that point. Yeah. I mean, technically, that would actually be very easy. If you got to the Caribbean, you could just check into some place and get a permanent residency. Then you wouldn't have to, yeah. have to worry about or it. Or, or do Germany and Holland, do they maintain like educational ownership over the child, even if it is oh, a resident I, of a different country? Nah. I, I would lie if I said I knew, but... I, no, I no, if, so. if, you, if you are not in the country anymore and you go live somewhere else, they have nothing. Tax-wise, yeah, like in Holland, apparently it's seven years after you left, they still take time, want to have taxes and stuff, but yeah. not for child education, so. So they do care no. about the money more than the kids. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they do. <laughs> what a surprise. Yeah. <laughs> what a surprise. Cool. All right, yeah. well, we'll wrap it up because we've been talking for quite a while. Um, I think so, huh? But, no idea uh, what time it is. What are we on? Yeah, Quarter, Quarter past, past seven. For you, yeah, eight. different. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, we'll have to edit a lot of shit. I think uh, everybody's probably learned a little bit more about you and your new situation and the plans. Oh yeah, so <laughs> yeah. Should, yeah. So it'll be great. It's a good chat. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks for so much. Speak soon, guys. If you want to support the production of these podcasts, you can become a member of our community on Patreon, where you will be able to access extra content, interact with our guests, and become a part of the show.